I was 10 years with Mark and then 10 years with you, almost 10 on my own and worked with Margaret now for seven years. Margaret said, hey, if you're thinking of going back to the corporate world, it's a lot like Beckett culture and it's in healthcare, but I love it. I've been promoted several times. The atmosphere is great. It's basically a healthcare consulting company and I'm responsible for seven people and $2 billion worth of business. <laughs> After I left Beckett, I did my own thing with Bishop Jakes and BeliefNet. I did some work for Kevin Isaacson before he left Krause. Mark was 69 when he passed away. Yep. I still remember his birthday because that was the code to everything in his life. His cell phone, our door locks, oh. even at the ballpark. Is this the safest thing? So it was April 3rd, 55. So every code was 4355. So Mark could remember it. Now that can be revealed. Yes. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and all the criminals already had it figured out. Well, for sure. Thanks, Beth Grimsley, for joining us. We're tributing Mark Jordan, longtime hobby stalwart that Beth worked with and for. I had lots of different uh, interactions with Mark over the decades because he was one of the original OG in the very early 70s as a teenager. But thanks sponsors, Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com, and Beth and my favorite, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So Beth, you were the first person I thought of when I heard about Mark's past. Yeah. He'd been in, in bad health, but he was an amazing guy, a pioneer in our industry. Absolutely. You worked for him before you worked for us. Mark was a memorable, one of a kind. He was indeed. We all worked in a bank building in Bedford. I was on the third floor. My education and experience is predominantly in marketing and sales and certainly publishing. So I was the promotions director for a large insurance agency that their local office was in this bank building. And I wasn't challenged. And I made friends with Mark's office manager and they needed somebody to take their business to the next level. So I worked in the building with him for about six months. He hired me away. I was impressed with Mark's entrepreneurial spirit. Just a few months after I started working with him, he knew the ballpark in Arlington was going to come to fruition. He set his sights on what we could do there to have a gallery presence. It took years to build it. So we were in the bank building for a couple of years. Fun firsts about Mark professionally and personally for me. When George W. Bush was still involved with the Rangers, his gubernatorial campaign was run by an operation right next to us. So George W. was in our office a lot talking baseball and those that came into the bank building. Mark was very casual. It would be nothing to find him in shorts and a polo on a Wednesday I remember one comment George W. said, he was like, wow, you run a real casual operation, sir. Mark, like I said, had entrepreneur spirit. He saw the future. He invested in people and their career. What he taught me is you connect with people. You remember what they're connected with, which is a basis of what the hobby is about. Crucial to his business because 100%. he had to know who had what and all that stuff. But I always thought he was more of an idea guy than an operations guy. Oh, without a doubt. He was constantly looking at collections, connecting with people. That was one of his gifts. Operations was not. So we had a pretty strong operations manager. Another longtime hobby veteran and dear friend, Jimmy Spence. I feel like Jimmy managed Mark's road presence and I kept the 
office going from the revenue perspective. We first did a catalog that Mark was famous for. I upped the ante on that catalog, hard professionals, photographers, that sort of thing, because it was easy to hit ROI. And as long as you could prove that to Mark, he was, again, like you said, all about the ideas. You know, I think I put to somebody that asked me about it, some of the most memorable things I've experienced in my life were because of Mark and the hobby. I put on Babe Ruth's hat before we sold it to David Wells, game worn hat. We had Abraham Lincoln documents. We had a songbook that was as big as a table, probably, you know, two by three. And the pages were in Latin on sheep's gut vellum. Mark used to joke with me that if I went to Cooperstown, I would be disappointed because of all the things you could touch and feel at our studio. But did he retain any of those or were they just passing through? Because he was one of the rare guys back in the day that was authenticating and mm-hmm. buying and selling. Yeah. But was he keeping some things? So uh, he didn't have a lot of personal collection. The Abraham Lincoln document hung on the wall in the gallery on the third floor at the ballpark until I left. The songbook was another one of his favorites. In addition to baseball history, he was a huge history buff and loved those type of things. Back to his creativity, Jim, we had unfettered access to Nolan Ryan because his foundation. We sold the rosin bag, a couple of his no-hitter balls. Mark was famous for establishing relationships that he could get inventory um, and then sell it. What he taught me was it wasn't always the big stuff. We did things with Gray Flannel, with Richie Russick and Andy. John Burgandy was one of my favorite. And of course, Rich Altman was like a second dad to me. And like I already said, Jimmy Spence. Mark was a wonderful connector in that way. He also did a lot of really sweet stuff. We had a gentleman come in with a Lou Gehrig ball. It ended up being a clubhouse signature. And Mark kindly, gently burst his bubble. But I remember at the end, he told the gentleman, look, this doesn't diminish the memories and the stories that you just told us. This piece still retains all of that value. One of the big jokes about Mark was that he lived large, and he did. Margaret, notwithstanding, have you ever had a boss that didn't live large? Mark Harwell and Bishop Jakes. Yep, everybody. I tend to gravitate to those types and love it. Besides what a genuine guy Mark was, everybody liked him. He was a visionary in the hobby. His start was interesting. He was a bat boy in St. Petersburg for the Yankees in spring training. His family was from Florida. He was definitely a food and wine guy. He took me, I think it was Dick and Greta DeCourcy with us at one of the nationals in Chicago. We were at Charlie Trotter's chef's table. There's only one. And somehow Mark got us in there. It was my first and probably only drink of a thousand dollar plus bottle of wine. (laughs) One other fun thing, almost put Mark on the map from out of the niche hobby market to more of the broader market and exposure for authentication is somehow the National Enquirer got a hold of his name. And he had a full page splash in the National Enquirer. And by those standards, it was really classy what they did. They came in with a professional photographer. And many of your listeners are going to recognize or understand the photo that I'm about to describe. It was Mark with his arms crossed. And there's a panoramic view of the Texas Rangers ball field in the back. And he used that on everything. (laughs) So it was a fringe benefit of being in the National Enquirer to say nothing of the revenue we generated. Okay. He was independent for the longest time, but 15 or 20 years ago, I think you weren't there, but he went to work for Heritage, a consignment director there. So he brought his talents to Heritage. 
the Heritage does a great job, and I think they give guys like Mark a lot of latitude to keep doing what they're doing. But Thank how you. did you see that? That was as you alluded to in the beginning, Mark was an idea guy and a cultivator and a collector at heart. Operations was the part he struggled with some. So to have somebody being the overseer of that particular piece, taking the financial risk, all that was good for him to say nothing of the consultative benefits it had for Heritage. It opened Mark's network to athletes, to collectors, all of those things. I loved it. And then I saw him reconnect with guys, Mike Gutierrez, for example, and even guys I knew from my stint helping out Krause and Kevin Isaacson at Heritage. So I felt like it was a really good move for Mark. We survived a couple of bullets, actually tsunamis. The UPS strike happened shortly after we moved into our new space. Then it was the baseball strike. And then we rebounded because the all-star game was at the ballpark in Arlington. So he managed the storm, but it wasn't easy. We lost staff. And that was the end for me. I saw the handwriting on the wall and how I got to you is also a fun story because it's that collector mentality. And some of our favorite collectors, Pepper Hastings. Pepper had been in the gallery and a catalog customer for years. He knew Mark because they were both UPI stringers. That's how I met him. He was up in the suite. And I remember he collected Brown and Bigelow calendars. And when I thought it's time for me to move on, I really wanted to go to a place that was familiar. I loved sports marketing. I loved what I was doing. I was familiar with your organization as a contract advertiser and contributor. So I looked in my Rolodex. Yes, we still had Rolodexes at the time. Found Pepper's name because I had him under Brown and Bigelow. Gave him a call and you were looking for somebody for dealer marketing. Even what Mark taught me about connecting with collectors and what they love landed me at Beckett for 10 years. I knew Mark for many decades and I don't know that he ever was in great shape or great health. He wasn't. Wondering, I had my heart attack in 96. So that goes way back to around the time we're talking about. And yep. since then, I tell people the health is important because it almost got me. But were people telling him that? Because he's passed away now at 69. And I know he'd had an accident. And so he had some other things perhaps beyond his control. But what do you say to that? He did. He found out in his late 30s that he was a type 2 diabetic. And he had spurts of really trying. I just think, like many of us in human nature, Discipline fades. And he had so many irons in the fire. He had a wife and two children, this big persona and business. He had to make rain for all of us. While the walk-in business funded our gallery, it was still a big nut every month. Sure. And yeah, he had people in his ear, but Mark was great <laughs> about tuning out things that he didn't want to hear. I think just over the years, it declined and it just stacks if you don't maintain your discipline and your focus on that. I think, Jim, one of the things that will be your legacy, in addition to all your collectibles, is you did that with us. Your mind, body, spirit were super important to your success, not only at work, but in life. And Mark just wasn't able to scale that mountain, unfortunately. I always think I got a second chance, but we all get second chances. For sure. And Mark had second chances. And 69 years of a full life is not horrible. We see it as untimely, but he leaves behind a family and great friends and a legacy of being one of the pioneers of our industry. Very enterprising, creative, coming up with things. He was ahead of time on some of these things. I know he appreciated you and others, but so much of a person's success is based on the relationships they have around them, whether they're employee or friend or whatever. And I think Mark had that. And and that's why he's going to be missed. So all the, much. All the people you've talked about, almost every name you've mentioned has been on the podcast. You awesome. Know, uh, one way or another over the last few years. Mark Harwell touched a lot of people and he's gone he now. He did. have yeah. two Marks that were huge mentors in my life. 
And I thank God every day for you, for them. I use what he taught me every day, even now, when these negotiations that we work on in healthcare get escalated. I remember those things that I learned from Mark, make it personal, make it count. People do business with people, not on paper. And so I take those things to heart still. They were demonstrating it. (laughs) Absolutely. Both of them. And you too, Dr. B. I feel honored that you thought of me to participate with you and on behalf of Mark and the hobby. I feel like I was born and raised there. I've always loved baseball. And my birthday is January 31st. And one of the things we tried in the gallery was some mass market retail stuff. And we had this baseball birthday calendar. And all of us, when we got them in, were just looking through. And so I was declared the winner because me, Nolan Ryan, Ernie Banks and Jackie Robinson all share the same birthday. So through Mark, I did a ton of work for Nolan's foundation since they were right there. I have what I call the happy birthday collection. I met Ernie at a couple of card shows. I have his autograph on a Norman Rockwell print that actually hangs in my husband's office, even though it's personalized to me. But it says, happy birthday, Beth, let's play too. Nolan's is personalized also. And then for my 30th birthday, I worked for Mark. I didn't ever think I would be able to get a Jackie Robinson autograph. So he was at Willow Grove and negotiated with Rachel Robinson to buy a section of the check collection. Just to show you how thoughtful Mark was and generous, a courier comes in to the office with a gift for me on my 30th birthday. I open it up and it is a folder that says the estate of Jackie Robinson. And it is a signed check dated on the exact day I was born to a liquor store (laughs) signed by Jackie Robinson with the letter of provenance from his widow, Rachel. And then it was just a handwritten note from Mark. It said, now your birthday collection is complete slugger. Couldn't do it without you or some little note, but he wasn't especially emotional or demonstrative in that way, but he was very thoughtful. That's one of my most prized possessions to this day. And my birthday collection would not be intact without him. Just to be clear, your password system, not based on your birthday. Mine um, is not either. But Mark Jordan's was. For all his security, everything we had was 4355. <laughs> Open the vault. Okay. Mark's certainly worthy of honor in the hobby. He's has not been very visible in the last 10 years for sure. No, he hasn't. Everybody, and I hate that. I do hate that. The hobby wouldn't be what it is today without him, especially on the memorabilia side, pioneering, groundbreaking, authentication. I think Jimmy Spence would say Mark was a mentor to him as well in his business. Jimmy and I grew up together with Mark. We're on the road a lot. Also, some of the deep friendships that I still have are hobby related. Rob Veras is still one of my dear friends. We don't see each other all the time. All the guys at Beckett, Tracy Hackler, Mike Payne, David Slipka, Pepper, all of those guys are still my lifelong friends. Mark did that for me as well. Many thanks for including me. Thank you. And rest in peace, Mark.